Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very accomplished professional um, from London, UK, Jules Chapel, OBE. Jules, welcome to the show. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Thank you. Jules is the Chief Executive Officer of Kokoro. She was form she formerly was the chief executive officer of London and Partners Events. She's on the board of Climate Cares at Imperial College London, Face Space and L'Oreal's Climate Emergency Fund. And a few years ago, Jules was recognized as a young global leader by the World Economic Forum. So, Jules, before we talk about Kokoro, tell me about your own amazing journey. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, I think I've had what is commonly known perhaps as a bit of a squiggly career. Um, but I started off as a British diplomat and I was posted in Jordan, Iraq, Ethiopia, working with the African Union, um, Washington DC seconded into the US State Department. And then I was ambassador in Guatemala, covering Guatemala, Honduras and El Salvador. So that was kind of the start of my career, focusing a lot on um, conflict and uh, peace negotiations and peace building. And I, I, I mean, it was the most amazing experience, um, but I'd always wanted to do something in the private sector. Um, it felt like something to, you know, have a really kind of balanced career. So I went and joined a startup, which is a pretty brutal way to learn about all things private yeah, sector. Absolutely. And helped to build a communications company where, where my particular focus was helping to support impact entrepreneurs and impact investors. Mm -hmm. I did that for a few years. Again, incredible experience. And then I went and worked with London, um, setting up um, or building rather relations between London and lots of cities all around the world, mm -hmm. focusing on trade and investment, but also particularly big events, which mm -hmm. I thought was super exciting. Mm -hmm. Hence, then went and worked um, as CEO of the events company for London. And then the last few years, I've been working, focusing on mental health, and that's Kokoro. So. Wow. Yes, I mean, talk about look, trying to learn a lot from different sectors and different, um, particularly people working globally all over the world. How oh, amazing. So let's talk about Kokoro now. Tell me about what are the main focus areas of Kokoro? Well, so at, at Kokoro, we champion mental health as the foundation for a safer, kinder and more productive world. Hmm. And really what we're doing is we're looking at positive mental health and supporting mental health not only as a health outcome as a good of itself mm -hmm. but also looking at how it cuts across every area of life that involves human beings mm -hmm. uh, so it certainly cuts across all the UN sustainable development goals and we focus particularly on the community of private sector funders and um, that could be individuals and families or companies um, and we do three things. So connecting, championing and scaling. So connecting is recognizing that there isn't really enough funding in mental health. And so we connect those that are funding, both investing and philanthropy and kind of everything in between to make sure that the funding that is going into mental health is, is as effective and impactful as it can be. Mm. Scaling is about helping to integrate more mental health funding into other areas of work, both for the sake of mental health and to accelerate other outcomes. Mm. And then championing is really trying to make sure that those on the frontline services or those people with lived experience of mental health, we're using our network to get their stories and their experience and expertise out. Mm. Fascinating. 
And what are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced in running a not-for-profit organization focused on mental health? I mean, the, the simply the biggest challenge is that the global need is so massive mm. and the access to support and services is, is really very small. Um, there was a pretty there was a pretty stark statement in the, the WHO did a, a mental health report last year. Mm. And I think I don't want to misquote them, but the essentially the opening paraphrasing was mental health is neglected by most communities and most health, most health and social systems. So it was pretty, pretty damning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where we get excited is if you think about the physical health revolution that the world has gone through over the past 70 years, mm-hmm. in 1950, I'm going to read the stat to get it right. In 1950, the global average life expectancy across the world was 45 and a half years old. Right. Last year, in fact, no, sorry, this year, the stats have just come out. It's it's 73 years old. Wow. I mean, that's extraordinary mm-hmm. transition. That is um a far greater access to understanding and basic services for physical health all around mm. the world. Mm. And I get very excited. Yes, the biggest challenge is just the, the gap in between need and access. Correct. But goodness, if we can have this level of mental health revolution, because at the at the top end of things, mm. what we can now do with new technologies and the kind of neuroscience that is going on and our understanding um it's extraordinary so it really is about how do we now um shift that gap and that's not only to to stem the suffering but it's also to open up that huge potential i mean we all know the difference in ourselves between Mm. us on our kind of a game on a good day Mm. and those when we're really suffering so it's about how do we how do we reduce that gap Mm. well said and what are some of the trends in mental health that you believe need more attention um, I think it is a, a little bit what I was saying, but I think I'm particularly that there, there are there are many areas that we can focus mm. on. For me, a personal passion is particularly understanding the mental health for those younger generations mm. um, coming through. I think you know we will all have those circumstances that we grow up in, but I think just the levels of new technology and change and disruption. Mm off the back of which many positive things can happen. But we do also know that when you feel um, less control, when you feel exposed, when mm. you feel judged, these are all things that the human brain struggles with. Mm. And then we have a new generation coming through where, you know, sort of everything's captured through smartphones. Um, you know, you, you must... I think that the technology has evolved ahead of our social protocols mm-hmm. in terms of how we deal with that. And so understanding, I think, that level of um, pressure, particularly for young generations um, who are still building their their own well-being, their anchors, their communities, the things that keep them strong, mm-hmm. they are growing. And I, I mean, I think back on my own youth, you know, the kind of things I would say, and I'm so glad that. I can now move on and learn without it being sort of, you know, Mm. captured. Um, So I personally have a real empathy for um, for the mental health of younger generations. And certainly we've seen from a statistics point of view, the kind of levels of attempts for suicide, suicide and um, self-harm. It's something that I think we all need to be uh, very acutely aware of and thinking about. Very well said. Thank you. 
My next question is uh, relating to, uh, you know, climate crisis. And when I was reading about mm -hmm. it, I also saw Kokoro, you support the COP2. Uh, my question is, what does the intersection between mental health and climate crisis look like? This is a fascinating one because, of course, the relationship is bi-directional and there's a lot more research now being done, including mm. by Imperial College London, who you mentioned earlier, um, Wellcome Trust, and, and actually institutions all around the world that are starting to really put the data towards what we intuitively know. Mm -hmm. But if you think about the impact of the climate crisis on many different ways, firstly, again, coming to a younger generation, it isn't, you know, it's an existential threat. Mm. Plus that sense that there isn't the urgency of policymaking and action going into something that is so, so dangerous and so mm. significant. So it's a combination of not only the, the problem itself, but also that sense of frustration and anger that it's not being dealt with. Right. But also there's the very practical issues around the impact of extreme weather events, the impact of heat, um, the impact of being forced to migrate and leave, mm. particularly for communities for whom that land is part of their culture, identity. So, you know, issues of grief and trauma, anxiety, depression, all of these things. But of course, when I say bi-directional, the impact of mental health on our capacity to cope at an individual level and a collective level is also really important because I, I talk about this is the crisis of our time and mm. we need to be able to do big change, which again, we know is not easy. We know mm. our brains are not geared to, you know, not some for some people they love it, but for lots of us, it's difficult. Right. Big change, big uncertainty, the need for huge collaboration and massive creativity. Mm -hmm. These are all things that, you know, that, strong mental health is geared towards whereas if mm. we are suffering it, it's kind of like that um vicious cycle it makes it harder for us to do the things mm. that we need to do. so we are cop squared which you mentioned um mm. is playing on conference of parties and cop the mm. big kind of global climate negotiations but cop squared stands for care of people and planet okay and the idea is to integrate mental health support and psychological resilience into mm. the U.S. race to resilience, mm -hmm. which is global adaptation all around the world. So it's saying, mm -hmm. look, even if we were to stop carbon emissions today, we know that the following changes are coming down the line. Mm. OK, we need to adapt our physical infrastructure. But mm. the work that we're doing is also saying for those communities that are on the front line, mm. they also need the support um, to resilient as communities mm. not just in terms of physical but also their kind of social and mental um structures and and you know that that's so that's so important as well just because it's something that's perhaps harder mm. to envisage doesn't mean it's something that we shouldn't be, be well supporting said. And well said and Jules how what what was your experience of the impact of uh, the pandemic that we have just all been through uh, mm. on mental health challenges with a lot of people I think it was just one of those key moments like, you know, mental health issues have always, you know, we, we all live with mental health in the same way we all live with physical health and yeah. we're always on a spectrum, all of us. Mm. But I think COVID was one of those moments where just the level of understanding and awareness really came through. Mm. I think particularly for companies, it, you know, workplace well-being went from being a nice to have to being a complete must have expectation. Mm. And again, it's sensible if you're thinking about 
productivity and creativity, then you must think about mental health. But I think it went from being something that has has just now become so mainstream. Mm. And what we're now starting to see, and I think this is really exciting, is starting to see companies think beyond workplace well-being. So it's a little bit like if you think on the environmental track, years ago, companies would think about the carbon footprint of their building. And then they started to think about their supply chains. And then they started to think about how do we contribute to the, mm. to the crisis in a positive way, thought leadership, et cetera, or innovation. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see off the back of COVID, big companies like, right, we need to sort out workplace well-being. Then we need to start thinking a bit bigger about this. Um, you know, we know that this is an issue of our time. And how are we contributing in a positive way? And I, I think COVID was the kind of trigger for that. Mm. Fascinating. You know, I've also spoken to many people who are working on mental health issues, and a lot of them are now using technology to mm. be able to monitor a lot of the progress and support a lot of people suffering from different types of mental health. How are you using technology at Kokoro? So for us, it's, I mean, we we focus on the funder community. Um, so it's not massive mm-hmm. we do use to we use tools so for example we have a database where funders can share the organizations the entrepreneurs the charities that they're supporting and it's kind of a trusted community where people can see who who's doing what and learn from each other mm-hmm. we have you know tools to allow them to kind of network better together but when um we're as a community level we perhaps use it uh we have less to gain but from looking at new technologies and mental health, I think I look at the health sector over the next five, 10 years as one that is going to massively benefit from this point of support needs to be very personal and tailored at scale. Mm. And that's something that to date we've always struggled with. You know, how do you have very personalized medicine support mm-hmm. service care, but do it in a way that people, you know, 8 billion people can access it globally. Right. Um, and I think we both physical and mental health, the reason we're starting to see a lot of money going into it, which is great, mm. is because of the potential for what new technologies can do to provide individual care at scale mm. is completely transformational. Right. So I think watch this space would be would be my proper answer. Absolutely. Well said. <laughs> my next question is, you know, mental health is something which um, is now beginning to get accepted in society Mm. and communities within families how can individuals be more responsible in supporting and promoting mental well-being you know i think it's it's such an such an important and good question i now work in mental health and yet i catch myself all the time not doing the best that i can for Mm. those around me let alone myself Mm. And I think it is a bit of a rewiring in the sense that I, for years, the way I was brought up, I, I, you know, I, I thought of physical health as something that was an important part of my life. And I would try to eat well and I tried to exercise and I tried to, you know, avoid doing things that I knew were harmful. And I'm now, even though I work in it day to day, I still struggle to integrate and mainstream protection of mental health both for me and others around me in a way that I know I know would be beneficial to myself and others mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of very frustrating because it's so obvious but I think it is 
you know, there's a, there's a responsibility to learn um, and there are some brilliant things out there. What One just to shout out is um, set up by Born This Way, which is Lady Gaga's foundation. Mm-hmm. And it's a certificate called Be There Certificate, which is just simply about how to be there both for yourself and for others in a mm-hmm. responsible way. It's two hours of free training. Anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. And that's so I think there are various things like that where you can learn. But I think it's also then trying to um, almost integrate. They always say that habits are best picked up when they're attached to established habits. Perfect. So like every morning you, we get up and brush our teeth and we do that. And we always have done that. Mm. It's almost like you need to be able to attach a new habit that is mm. specifically focused on your mental health uh, to existing habits in your day and just mm. try and mainstream it. Mm. What a great response. Thank you. My next question is that, you know, you when you work with so many different um, institutions to be able to support funding so many others, how mm. do you ensure that your initiatives are culturally sensitive and globally inclusive? Again, it's, an, it's a really great question and a difficult one, because just as I was saying, you know, our mental health is very personal to ourselves. It, culturally it is a very different conversation in different parts of the world right um you know it's it's really important to remember that in some communities mental health is still one of those issues uh, or mental illness mm-hmm. where it's also linked to great abuses of human rights um you know there are still communities where shackling happens where you know people are literally tied to a bed or a tree etc yeah. um you know to die by suicide is still a crime in some countries and mm-hmm. so i think in some ways I get very excited that I feel like particularly for younger generations, you know, stigma is a sort of thing of the past and, you know, the the conversations are much more evolved and mature. Mm. And yet at the same time, you know, there is there, you know, undoubtedly there's still stigma. I, I was actually called up. I went to do a, a talk um, at, at my old employer. I, and uh, I'd said about, you know, how I spoke so openly about some of my poor mental health. And one of the people listening really challenged me. And she said, well, you can do that because you've got to a position of leadership. Mm. Would you have done that lower down the chain when you were thinking that the people who were hearing it might affect mm. your next Correct. promotion? And, and you know, when you, you, she was right. She was absolutely right. Yeah. It's not, you know, so, so even when I talk about, oh, it's great, you know, there's far less stigma. She, she was absolutely right. I wouldn't, I, I don't think I would have done. And that means mm-hmm. that there's still such a long way to go oh, um, to really get this sense that, you know, this is health. Taking it seriously is about getting the best out of yourself as well as as well as others, you know, and that it's it's a positive thing, not yeah. something to be. Yeah, yeah. Away from. Absolutely. In fact, I've often said, you know, mental health issues, uh, need a lot of courage to come out of the closet, so to speak, because, you know, people are not willing to talk about it. Um, And even then, I think sometimes there's that sense of, well, it's okay for them because they've had a really serious issue. So for for me, I'd I'd worked with um, survivors of sexual violence, for example. And I always felt, well, they've had something really awful happen to them. Or, you know, when you think about PTSD and soldiers, it's like, you know, they've had something awful, totally understandable that they're dealing with trauma. I suffered and was diagnosed with something called secondary trauma, which Mm -hmm. is I'd listened and I'd empathized. And in my very, um, my head works in big images. I felt like I had 
you know my brain felt like it had seen some of that trauma mm. and but I did I it took a long time for me to accept I was just like oh you know poor little privileged girl has trauma like, I really struggled with it because I was yep. just I didn't feel like I deserved it it mm. was like you know I was very unkind to myself and yeah. so I you know it's always recognizing that this is not competitive <laughs> you know everybody's situation is their own situation and we all have to care for the you know for the for the issues that we feel without mm. any judgment even to ourselves let alone this kind of comparative situation which is yeah. which very well said very not very my, healthy for anyone no absolutely and my, my next question is that you know again when i was reading about you uh there is something that I think you created, which is the Future Mental Health Collective. Hmm. Uh, what inspired this creation and what do you do uh, in this initiative? So this is um, this was founded by the founder of uh, Kokoro, a lady called Natasha Muller, who's an incredible um, advocate, activist and, and supporter of, of mental health around the world. Mm -hmm. And she, during COVID actually, she really felt that the need um, was, you know, that it was just going re really, really, really in a bad direction. Mm. So she got together with just a few other friends at the time mm. who she supported and were funding different mental health initiatives. And as much as anything, they were there for each other, just, mm. you know, trying to figure out how to do the best thing in, in this situation. Mm. That has gone from being a group of friends a few years ago to now being a global network of 140 major mental health funders, individuals, families and companies who are all supporting the implementation and support of kind of access to services, mm. advocacy, communication around around mental health. And it is an incredible community that is there to collaborate, radically collaborate and amplify mm. what each other is doing. Mm. But they're also there as a community for those that want to get started, but perhaps are a bit intimidated and don't quite know where to go with it. It's it's a community of very experienced people who are happy to help others on their journey as well. Thank you. So time for two more questions for you. My next question is that given all the work that you are doing in the area of mental health, how do you see the landscape of mental health changing in the next few years? I think it is going to go through quite a radical change. And I think it comes back to what you were asking about before in terms of technologies. One of the ways in which I think it is changing is metrics. And again, this reminds me of some previous journeys, you know, where we go through the creation then the um, adoption of sort of standard metrics that then allow for financial products and people to be and, and consumers to be able to compare like for like. Mm. And I remember when we it kind of went through that journey on diversity, then on sort of environmental issues. And I think mental health is on the same track. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing at the moment is a lot of innovation um, using new technologies to really start collecting data in a way that you can categorically show trends that we intuitively suspect or know mm -hmm. or anecdotally get the kind of reporting but to then really be able to analyze and then learn from data mm. uh, so i think whether it be through wearables or uh, through phone data or through all sorts of different yeah. um ways we will get to a point where just the field is able to evolve capital is able to be deployed in bigger amounts because the risk is lower because there is that kind of 
factual um, mm-hmm. and the science the science is is in line with that. So I think mm-hmm. the two plus the growing interest mm-hmm. plus the growing conversation, mm-hmm. it all of those things together um, evolving create just an extraordinary new uh, a sector that is very old but in a very different guise I think mm. than where, where it's been. Very interesting and Jules my last question to you and this is for the many many people who will listen to our conversation what is the one message you want to leave with our viewers and listeners regarding mental health? Uh, so, so I got coached by a neuroscientist and she told me, um, Dr. Tara Swart, she told me uh, when I was kind of trying to grow as a leader, she told me about neuroplasticity, which wasn't particularly a concept that I had learned mm. much about. But this sense that we can evolve our wiring, there are things that we can do mm. throughout our lives to really support our own mental health Mm. and also being very conscious of how we impact others Mm. I found that very empowering because I think sometimes it can be you know you can feel that this is who you are and without necessarily feeling that agency but knowing that actually if you take your if you if you take the time to really understand your mental health mm. what triggers you in a positive way what mm. kind of builds up in a negative way and if you use the tools that are out there that you really can create incredible change for yourself mm. uh, i think is something that i would just say so don't ever think of it as something that isn't worth the effort it really is in the same way that as I say physical health doesn't come instantly but it's gosh it's worth the effort Mm. and I would say mental health is absolutely life-changing life-changing but and it's written it's worth the effort for yourself and for others well said and on that note uh, Jules thank you so much for talking to me about your amazing journey from a diplomat to a mental health champion Thank you for talking to me about Kokoro and so many different aspects of mental health. Thank you also for talking to me about the last message that you gave, which is how important it is to understand your mental health. Because once you understand it, this is something which is not insurmountable. And as someone else said to me, you know, you're willing to talk about your heart, you're willing to talk about your legs, you're about your hands. The brain is another organ. Why are you not talking about it? So yeah, no, uh, I think. A lot of people will listen to your words of wisdom and I'm sure uh, this conversation hopefully will do a lot of good to a lot of people. Thank Thank you. you. And actually, because I know quite a few of your listeners are in India. Can I just mention one incredible champion? Absolutely. So there's a lady called Raj Marawala who um, runs the Marawala Health Initiative Mm -hmm. doing incredible work. She's not the only one, um, Mm -hmm. but I just wanted to flag her as someone to to look at. Thank and you so much. Thank you. Maybe I thanks. maybe I'll ask you to introduce me to Raj and I'll have a conversation. Great idea. Great <laughs> idea. Thank you. Jim. Thank you again for having me. Bye bye. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.